welcome to a blue collar special my name is samuel and i'm aaron and aaron we may just have the coolest guy in rock music since prince tonight who do we have no i'm actually gonna agree with you. <laughs> we have tonight the once in a generation talent the electronic music god the one and only ronnie martin <laughs> Who is the second most coolest musician in history? <laughs> um, welcome to the show, Ronnie. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. All right. So um, we're going to go ahead and just get right started with this special we have here. Um, to kind of kick us off here, for those um, who may not be familiar, because we are primarily about the band Starflyer 59, who are you? Um, what musical projects have you done that um, people may know about or that maybe no one's heard about, but you just want to tell people about? Yeah. Um, well, first off, I, I don't I, I wouldn't rate myself the second coolest dude be even behind Prince. I think that's I know you guys were joking, but that's way too high of an honor. So I'm going to I'm going to I'll pull myself off that list. Um yeah, I think the main project that most people would know me for, of course, would be uh, Joy Electric. Uh, we made records from 1994 through about 2012. And so um, did a lot of recordings in between those those years. And then I've been involved in a, in a bunch of other side projects besides that uh, as well. So which I, I can list all those. I don't know if you guys want to hear about all those, but yes. Go ahead. Yes, absolutely. Go ahead. List them. Well, okay. So let me think here. Um, we started with, uh, my brother and I started with a band called Morellis Forest, which wasn't the Morellis Forest that people came to know later, um, but it was uh, our original band. And then we transitioned into another band, kind of a dancey thing called Dance House Children, which then morphed into a project called Rainbow Rider that I did which then morphed into uh, Joy Electric. And then of course, Jason was doing Starflyer. I also did, a, I also did a, just a, a much, uh, probably a, a, a largely unheard of sort of indie rock record with, uh, with the title Shepherd. I did this back in the uh, early 2000s. It came out on Northern Records. Uh, not a lot of people probably heard that. And then I did a project with Rob Witham from Fine China called The Foxglove Hunt. We did a record and an EP. I did an EP with Velvet Blue called Ronald of Orange. Um, and then I kind of morphed into a uh, another electronic, very minimalistic electronic product project called Said Fantasy. And then I have, um, I just finished my first uh, solo record. And by what I mean by solo record is the first record that's going to come out with just my name as the title. So it, it's a Ronnie Martin record. And that's coming out uh, this fall on Velvet Blue. So, I and think you also got yeah. the um, you did one album of the Bon Voyage album too. Well, I did, I, I think I did some, yeah, I think I did some electronics on a Bon Voyage album. Yeah. I, I think so, yeah, that one, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I've, I've so I have played on other artists' records. Um, I, I'm not really counting those because I, I don't think I, I've played on a lot of other artists' records, so I don't, I, I. Couldn't possibly remember all those. So yes, I got you. All right, um, moving on. Um, how was Jason as a younger brother? And you have any funny childhood memories you'd like to share? 
Yeah, um, gosh. So we're not that – we're about two years apart in age, so we're, we're fairly close in age. I'm the older guy. Um, Jason was um, a pretty unassuming guy um, in some ways like he is today. Kind of stayed behind the scenes, kind of liked to stay to himself a little bit. I was I was a little bit more of the guy that liked to get out there and get busy and do things and, and – uh, he preferred kind of staying inside than than playing outside is how I'd phrase it. Um, in fact, I would drag him all over the place. So I was the guy that said, hey, we should do this and we should go check out this. And I would sort of have to drag him kicking and screaming into some of that stuff. Um, so he was uh, he was largely a, a quieter, a quieter little brother. And we did we did a lot together. Yeah, we grew up in kind of a rural area and uh, we we just did all kinds of did all kinds of stuff together growing up for sure but yeah <laughs> well Barry, that um i'm not too surprised to hear about those differences um mm. now what i am curious about it's um you see lots of musical families in history but very not very often do you see uh two brothers mm. go um in such distinct career paths but also such prolific career paths mm. i would say um, how was that growing up? Did you, did you just tell your parents when you were 14, I'm going to be a electronica rock star <laughs> and were they cool with that? Well, no, I mean, it, you know, it's funny cause we were, you know, we're products of the, we're older, we're products of the seventies and eighties. So, um, for us, it was about, you know, driving in an 11 passenger Ford Econoline van with my mom. We lived, like I said, in a we lived in a rural area in Southern California, which is a little strange because, you know, you don't think of Southern California as being like that. But we lived in this little pocket of an area and um, we had to drive everywhere. So every everywhere we went was a commute growing up. So we had a lot of opportunities to listen to music in the van. And so that was our sort of introduction into, um, you know, rock and pop music, Christian music. My mom played all kinds of different stuff. And um, so for me, I she played a bunch of Keith Green cassettes. If you remember Keith Green being kind of this contemporary Christian singer songwriter artist from the seventies, and yeah. so I one I was, of my favorites. Oh, there you go. All right, so my, yeah, just that, that was, we love. Uh, yeah, so that that was my introduction to really just music and Christian music, and I I just wanted to become a songwriter like Keith Green. And so when I was about eight years old. I just said, hey, I begged my parents to buy a piano and I wanted to take piano lessons. And so they did. They supported it. They went, they they got us a piano and they immediately set up me and Jason with piano lessons. Now, Jason had no interest in the piano. Um, he had no interest in taking piano lessons. So I wanted to do it and he was kind of forced to do it. And but yet it was like an education for both of us. So we we learned kind of all the basics, you know, chord structures and all of those types of things. And then uh, later on, you know, I, Jason eventually quit taking lessons. I continue to take lessons. Um, but my ambition in my teen years turned more to songwriting. And I just wanted to become a songwriter. And Jason had none of those ambitions. And so I would start some bands and kind of bring Jason in to play keyboards or do something like that. Um, and then it eventually turned into Morello's Forest, where he learned how to play drums. And I hopped on the guitar and then, the, you know. The rest is sort of the, the continuing history of it all. But no, uh, man, um, our parents were super 
supportive always, you know, even from, you know, buying us that initial piano. And even later on when I'm a teenager and I'm saying that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm laying it out, you know, the dreaded, the thing that no parent wants to hear is, oh, I just want to become, you know, I want to make music for a living. And, and um, <laughs> yeah, the, the last thing any parent wants to hear, right? Because there's, there's no, there's no future in it, right? There's no, you can't, few people make a living at it and all that all that stuff. And, but they were supportive. And, um, my dad, in fact, uh, built us, a my brother and I a studio, um, off the garage. Um, and so he, he really helped us. And, um, so they were, they were supportive all the way and really helped us out in some unique ways. I don't know if they, I don't know if they believed in, in any of it in the sense that they thought we were going to, uh, you know, kind of become pop stars and we didn't. So they would have been right in that sense. But um, they were behind us all the way. So it was, it was really uh, it was a blessing to have to have supportive parents like that, for sure. Absolutely. And I like that you mentioned here um, listening to Keith Green in the van. Um, so were, what other artists uh, maybe you listened to in the van or you discovered when you turned 16, um, et cetera, really maybe the top three that super influenced you? And um, what you did enjoy electric or that you just influenced you maybe in more subtle ways? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, for me, it was it was Keith Green. I just learned that, hey, there's there's certain kinds of songs that I like and they're catchy and they all seem to have the same chord changes and they're all kind of centered around the same kind of melodic flow. And so early on, I was thinking, how can I write songs like that? How do, how do I learn how to write songs? So when you take piano lessons, they're typically teaching you you know, uh, you know, Fear Elise and all these, these, you know, these classical pieces. And at some point I just had no interest in that because I wanted to write my own songs. And so I think what I got from Keith Green was that, hey, you can write these really melodic, kind of beautiful, clever, catchy songs. How, how does one do that? You know, so he would have been my, my immediate influence. And then as I got a little bit older, I got into a band, another early Christian artist called Daniel Amos. And um, yeah. Yeah, so DA and uh, Jason yeah. and I were both into Daniel Amos. Um, and this would have been, so in the car when we were listening to Keith Green, my mom would would play early Daniel Amos, which was all this kind of Eagles-influenced country music um, kind of a sound. And when Daniel Amos, when, you know, when, when, when it, you know, when, when it turned the, the corner from the 70s into the 80s, you know, they kind of became this really quirky sort of new wave thing. And um, and they were very abstract and their lyrics were very um, vague and a little bizarre and definitely in, extremely quirky. And so for me personally, um, I was really struck by that. So I remember pick, picking up a record called Vox Humana by Daniel Amos. And besides the songs just being incredibly, you know, well written and catchy and and um, and the production being really strange, I, I was always taken in by the fact that I had no idea what he was writing about and talking about. And um, I, that really appealed to me that you could write lyrics that were artistic and creative and they didn't have to be figured out. And that really carried over into, you know, the music I would eventually write, which was to write sort of abstract, be abstract lyrically. And um, I, you know, I, that's just something that, that I got from Daniel Amos. And then I think getting into our teenage years, you know, I transitioned into bands like New Order and, um, you know, uh, some of these British bands from the late 80s, like New Order and The Cure and The Smiths 
and um, Depeche Mode. And so I think musically, I was very influenced by those. I still am very influenced by those bands. But then I never kind of gave up sort of the songwriting sensibilities of Keith Green or the abstract um, lyric writing of Terry Taylor from Daniel Amos. So it's it would be a combination, really, of those three elements that I really took with me. Okay. That explains so much uh, yes. about Dance House Children and everything else. And we'll talk <laughs> some other things that will come up later. But before I go to the next question, I just a brief soliloquy. So at the top, we mentioned how you're like the second coolest rock musician. I know you don't want to take that on because you're a humble dude. You're not a narcissist. So we got that. <laughs> but when we say that, like for me, like growing up as a, like my first Tooth and Nail album was like Americana by Starflyer. Yeah. And then I got into all the rock stuff and everything. And then I don't know, it was a sampler or something. I heard The Cobbler by Joy Lecture. I was like, what in the world is this? I wasn't feeling it at all. Was not feeling it at all. I can't remember. It was another song. And I was like, you know what? This this song just makes me happy. And so then I was in the army. So at the time it was, it was like ninety eight. I was in the army, and so I got Robot Rock. And mm-hmm. I was just like, this is like the so anti Tooth and Nail album. But it was just like this guy is just going for what he wants, doing what he wants. This is so punk rock. This is like what, and I love punk music. And so it's like Prince. Prince did what he wanted. You know, he wore high heels, makeup, and like just did his thing. And you were doing, and like in the face of you know you're in Tooth and Nail, and you know you were doing like that the most stereotypical masculine music just like prince and everything with this image but to me that was like the most masculine thing like as a young uh, young teenager i was like 16 mm. 19 when i was in the army like it, it freed me up to be like you know what you you don't have to do what people think you can just be your own person like mm. and so like your your whole your whole thing and Prince's whole thing just combined to help me be able to be like, you know, I like Britney Spears. I don't care what anyone thinks. <laughs> that frees me up. I don't care, you know? And so with such freeing, so Joy Electric, that whole thing was just like to free into me. And I remember like being in the army in 98 and like blasting robot rock and these guys looking at me like, and I'm like, what? What? And I, and I, and I, and like I was one of the few people who had a car, and so I like make sure when people need cars, I would have Joy Electric in there. So I like made these people listen to it all the time. Oh, so man. in Fort Sill, Oklahoma, so many army guys heard Joy Electric. So anyway, <laughs> oh, that. that's, man, those are those are really. Thanks for being so kind about that, man. I I, I appreciate the the not the encouraging words. Thank you. Yeah, and so with that, I want to lean into what is what do you think punk rock music is? What's the ethos of punk music to you? Because Joy Electric really is punk music in its pure sense. Well, you know, it's a gosh, it's a great question. You know, I think, you know, we were. Um, I like kind of being the oddball out, you know, and as much as I as much as I love it, I don't love it, and so there was, you know, we were so oddball on the label, and there was a sense where it took us. It really wasn't until Robot Rock that we were kind of accepted um, because that record ended up doing, you know, better than all of our other records up to that point. And we were, it was kind of like your story, Aaron, where you you weren't really sure about it. And then Robot Rock came out and you sort of adopted it, you accepted it, you listened to it, you enjoyed it. And so it, it wasn't until that record that that happened for a lot of people um, in that in that scene. And so it was always this thing where I felt like I was fighting against the grain it, where I wanted to be different. I wanted to do something different, something quote, like you just said, something, you know, punk rock, not in the traditional sense of like, you know, the Ramones or the Sex Pistols or Green Day, you know, but just just in the sense that I want to do exactly what I want to do without conforming 
to the accepted and the ex expected norms of the day. And so for Tooth and Nail, it would have been, you know, like heavy music or punk rock or ska or one of those genres. And so to me, it was like, no, I just want to do what I want to do. And I want, I want people to accept it as being something kind of different, creative, unique and abstract. Um, but I also I also know that the way, you know, the way it works in the music industry is that, you know, bands that are that are intent on just doing what they want to do and they don't really fit quite with the flow of the mainstream are, are going to be sort of pushed to the side a little bit. So I think that there was a frustration with that. There was also an expectation for that. But I still wanted to do what I wanted to do. And that so that's what punk is to me. It's doing what you want to do without conforming to accepted or expected, you know, norms. And so it's more of an attitude than it is a style of music, um, you know, more than anything. So I don't know if that answers your question. It does. And to me, like, I don't know, a lot of people know the band Suicide. Are you familiar with Suicide? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yep. And so to me, that's what Joy Electric is. It's like the Christian suicide. Oh, man. Yeah, that's, man, that's high praise. But that's, yeah, wow. Interesting. Now, I really like this uh, line of reasoning you went on about being yourself and not conforming. Um, and this also kind of ties into um, Daniel Amos and lyrics that aren't necessarily meant to be understood or gotten right away. Mm. Um, how does your faith, uh, your Christianity, play into your music? Um, has, you know, how did it start out playing into it and has that changed throughout time? Yeah, I think that's a man. That's a really good question. I, I think um, I think it's I think it's deepened, you know, um, I, and I think it's deepened over the years. So I think, you know, it would be a myth to say that a person's faith doesn't inform everything they they do, because we all hold to a faith, some faith. We, we are believing in something, even if we're just if, it's, if we claim if we claim, you know, we don't believe in God, we believe in ourselves. Well, that that's a faith, you know, and that's going to inform what you do, which will include the art that you make. And um, so, you know, I think for me personally, as a Christian, um, you know, I believe there is actually one true artist and that's that's God, um, somebody who makes something from nothing. Um, I'm just using material that's already there and, you know, reimagining it. But he makes everything from from nothing. And so I, I just feel like everything I, sh I do should be a reflection of, of that kind of artistry. So that's how, that's how my faith would inform my music in the sense that if you, if you listen to the art that I make, um, it should give you a sense of what God is like. Now, man, a very rough and raw and imperfect reflection of that, because that's who I am, but it should be um, it should be somewhat and if it's abstract, it's abstract. If it's beautiful, it's beautiful. Um, it can it can contain all of these different emotions and aspects of the personhood of Christ. But that's that's hopefully what it's going to reflect, you know, for me. And I see all of those things being able to to do that. And um, and again, not that I not that I get it right because I'm imperfect, but um but that's how I would say it, 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 it informs everything that I, that I do. And I, again, that's, that might be a little, that might've been a vague way of explaining it. Sorry if that was, but. No, that's a, that's a wonderful, beautiful answer. Um, and really reflects, um, ways I have thought about, 
mm. art and music and everything growing up um, because I went through this patch of time, as I'm sure every Christian teenager does, where I'm like, if it doesn't say Jesus or have some Bible reference, it's it can't be Christian. And as right. I got older, I'm like, well, you know, there's some stuff that like touches me on a deep level that says nothing about the Bible, but I, I see something in this worth having. And um, your answer kind of mirrors what Terry Taylor, when we had him on, he kind of said the same thing. So that's interesting. But um, now this question is the one I was looking forward to the most of the night. If you did not do electronica music, what genre of music do you think you would do and why? Please say hip hop. Please say hip hop. <laughs> oh, man, I would be there's I just wouldn't even know how to do hip hop. I, that's I don't, I don't have that kind of talent, you know. Um, okay. <laughs> but you know what's so funny is, um, you know, I like a lot of the stuff that um, this is not answering your question right off the bat, so we'll rabbit here for a minute. But if that's okay, but it, um, you know, I like a lot of the stuff that influenced hip hop. So I'm a huge Kraftwerk fan, right? Which is they were a major influence on early hip hop, and so some of these, some of these old, you know, uh, you know, German electronic groups. Um, where they were really beat heavy and they they're kind of you know they were they came they made records at a time that you know hip-hop was still in its infancy but yet a lot of MCs and a lot of programmers and producers kind of took their beats and kind of you know formed hip-hop so I I like some of that early stuff and I and I do like some hip-hop too but man I gosh I I, I would be the uh I'd be the last guy in the world to attempt to make hip-hop because it's it's uh yeah, it's not what it's not the kind of gifting God gave me. But for me personally, if I yeah, if I were to just throw away all the mugs and just say, all right, what do you want to do? It would probably be uh, like minimalist uh, folk music, to be quite honest, probably on the piano. Um, just kind of something that gets to the essence of the song. Um, you know, so I write all my songs on piano or, you know, like an acoustic guitar. And so there's a lot of times when I feel like, man, why don't you just you should just record it like this because you get in the studio and you add all the electronics and it kind of pollutes the song a little bit. And, um, and that's happened so many times where it would, it would have been better. The song would have been better had it just kind of stayed stripped down. And, um, but you know, I kind of love what I do with the electronics too. So it's, it's kind of a, it's a conflict there, but I think that's what I would do. I think I would, uh, I think I'd grab a piano I grab a microphone and uh, I would just uh, I would just do that, you know, and I think uh, I think that would probably be the th I think that would probably be what was closest to my heart if I wasn't working with all the uh, all the analog electronics, you know, but probably really you guys. like I would have never guess that. that. That's not what I was thinking at all. Oh, man. <laughs> sorry. Sorry about that. Uh, that's enlightening. That's awesome. <laughs> Well, that's an album I would sign up for. I am. Um, I would listen to that all day long. Is that what your solo album's going to be? I'm just. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not at all. That it's a uh, the solo album is is fully electronic. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. I would. I would argue you sort of did that with the unelectric un album, which may be my favorite album, but. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, and there were actually, well, speaking of hip hop, there was kind of some hip hop influenced beats on that on that album a little bit. But um, yeah, I think that 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 did. Yeah, I always forget about that record. So thanks for reminding me. But um, yeah, yeah I, I think it was something like that. Yeah, a little raw. So a little more raw than uh, what I do with all the production and stuff. But 
Yeah. Fair enough. Well, kind of traveling that train down your own music, um, we're going to make you take a drift back in time and tell us what are a handful, uh, maybe five or so, of your favorite songs you have written. Oh, man. Oh, gosh. That's, man, there's been too many. Um, you, you know, have written a lot of yeah go ahead what were you gonna say i'm sorry did you you have written a lot of great songs so i know it's really hard <laughs> well no I, don't, I didn't mean they were i didn't mean it from the sense that they were great i've just written too many um so if i had to boil it down you know i, I think you know some songs um you like different songs for different reasons you know and um some songs I like, even though I don't think they're the best things I've ever done, but I may have liked them because they were fun to play live. Like a, that, a song that comes to mind, you know, is Monosynth. You know, we did the video for it and it and it kind of, um, you know, got some good airplay and it kind of became a favorite for, you know, when we played live. And so that one I really liked. I liked the way that song turned out. It was really what I wanted to do uh, in, in the moment. And uh, so I like that song. I also like this song called... It was on an EP we did called Starcadia. It's a song called The Matterhorn. And I always really had a always really had a connection with that song because I recorded it very quickly. And I don't I don't I don't tend to record things fast. I, I take I take a long time. And that was something I did in like two days. And it's it's very raw and it's very underproduced. Wow. And I, I like that about it, you know. And um so I yeah, I think I enjoyed that one quite a bit. I also like this song off of the Hello Mannequin record called uh, Wolf in the Bend. And it's kind of this really kind of dark sounding record song that's all kinds of stuff going on in it. I, I always kind of liked that one. That one was fun to play live. Um, there was a song that I, I really enjoyed on a record called The Otherly Opus called The Memory of Alpha, which had all these crazy vocal layers and it was um, it was something that I'd really never attempted before. And it was a, it was the kind of song I'd been wanting to write for a long time. And it finally came to me. And I really I really liked it. And then there's a song. Let me think. There's a song on the Ministry of Archers, kind of a slow, like a ballad called Become as Murderers. And it was just such a weirdly dark kind of but melancholy song. And I always I always enjoyed that it was always a song I was glad I'd written, and um, gosh, I don't know. Th those are the first four or five that come to mind. Um, yeah, it's hard to say. There's again, there's there's so there was a lot of records, you know. Those are all great ones. Yeah. Um, all right, so <laughs> there's the White Songbook album. Oh man, the last song the songbook tells all. There's a lyric. Heavy metal shirts aren't funny, Ryan. <laughs> What's the story behind that line? It is so oh, specific. It's such a whimsical album. <laughs> and it just plays, like you were saying, it's like it's like another world. It's like a Daniel Amos Alarma album. And it's just so and then that specific layer, I'm like, what? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> it was a really ridiculous lyric, is what it was. Um <laughs> so we had uh we had been on a really long tour um, before I made that record with uh, with a couple of bands, um, a band called Bleach. I don't know if you remember them. Yes, and... I saw them live, actually. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I love yeah. Bleach. 
Yeah, and um, and then another artist called Miss Angie. I don't know if you remember her. Yeah, and, uh, she's married to the guy from Johnny Republic. There it is, man. You, you got all your history down. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we had done this really long tour with them, and it's, it was in the late 90s, and the, I think it was, it was 99, actually, and there was just a trend at the time where all these all these all these band dudes were wearing like, you know, poison t-shirts and, you know, guns and roses t-shirts. They're, they're wearing all these, like sort of these hair metal t-shirts. And it was sort of the thing where it's so uncool that it's cool now kind of a thing. And so, um, it, it just, you know, I was being a little snarky. I wish I wouldn't have said what I said, but it, the trend had become kind of derivative because if like everybody's wearing a poison t-shirt, then it's, it's not quite as funny is if like, you know, just some people are doing it. Right. And so, um, I would get into all these, um, you know, these funny conversations with people because they were wearing their, you know, their, their warrant t-shirts or whatever. And, and so I, when I, when I, when I was writing the record, I just was, I don't, I cannot tell you why the lyric, why the lyric was in that song. I don't even remember that song to be quite honest. And, uh, and uh, why that lyric fit into that particular song. And, and, but it was, it was, uh, I think I had reached a point of absurdity and I rolled with it. So, well, I, when, when I, okay, so you, I'm, you you're forgiven for being snarky because I, I, I get it because, yes, I was at those shows and it was r- ridiculous. But <laughs> I'm just saying, like, in the context of the song, the albums is like, wow, that came out of nowhere. But I totally agree with you. I was like, yeah, this is done. This is so dumb. <laughs> Yeah. And I think we were, um, you know, it was, it's just, I think it's one of those funny things where, you know, that was a long time ago and you look back at things that you were, you look back at things that, you know, you, you would get a little angsty about, which now, now that I'm kind of an old man, you look back on it and you go, well, that's ridiculous, you know, and it wasn't very sanctified. And, uh, but here we are. And, uh, ultimately probably harmless, but you know, we, I was, it was more fun and funny than it was serious for sure. So very nice. All right. One last question um, before we wrap up and kind of move on. And this is actually a sort of transition question. Um, so you did uh, the first projects, as you kind of said, you did with Jason uh, was Morella's forest and then dance house children, which um, we've had many lively discussions about on this podcast Mm. um because it's just a fascinating project and if you ever uh, get a hold of the original copies of morello's forest i would love to hear those but i digress well i got some news for you on that if you want to if you want to hear always yes yeah so we are um that record is finally being uh released this year being re-released that's exciting nice so yeah, we finally uh, finally figured it out. We got the uh, I was able to get the uh, the old label that we recorded for sent me the master tapes, and uh, so we're finally getting it out there. Yeah, that oh, wow. is super exciting. All right, um, well, you heard it here first, guys. So okay, the question is: we um, fast forward from around ninety two or so all the way up to two thousand six, two thousand seven. Mm. How did the Brothers Martin project come about? And if I may ask without getting too personal, why did it take so long to come about? 
Yeah, no, um, it's a good question. So I think, uh, you know, we were just, we were very devoted to our own projects, Jason and I, you know, so obviously he's, you know, we're, we like to make a lot of records and both of us are, you know, we, we were pretty busy and we, you know, it, when we were in the thick of both of those projects in that time, you know, so I think it was just, um, just wanting to put our, our, you know, our best foot forward for either Starflyer or, or Joy E. And um, w the label had asked us for years if we would consider doing something together. And I think it was just, uh, you know, I, if I'm being honest, I think we had to mature to a place where we could, we could do it and we could do it well and we could do it with um, a, a minimum of fuss, I'll say it that way. And um, so we finally found the right pocket of time to do it in. And I think, you know, we were able to come up with, a, I, I suggested a particular formula for it. I said, hey, why don't we, um, why don't you write, you know, however many songs you want to write, I'll write the rest of them. We'll split it, we'll split it. And, you know, um, why don't you have me play on the songs that you've written and, you know, I'll add my my style of electronics, but I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do it the way you want to do it. And, you know, we can collaborate a little bit. And then I said, and then I'll have you, you know, come and play guitar and come up with some parts, you know, for the songs I've written, I'll, I'll leave some space in the songs for that. And, and so it really came together really simply. Um, he had some songs already. I had some, I had some songs that I had written. I'd written a couple of new songs just for the project. And um, I think at the time, you know, this was that particular era in the, uh, uh, it was like the, like 2007, 2008, where, you know, a lot of a lot of rock bands were kind of doing more like dance music kind of beats and getting into electronics that that was that was starting to like take form. You hear it all the time now, but it was like just starting to sort of happen in that moment. So I said, it's really a great time for us, you know, to do this. You know, you got bands like Franz Ferdinand at the time that were kind of, you know, putting those things together. And I said, it'll, it'll be a really great time to do it. And um, and so we we did it. And um it came together really well. Uh, the label was really happy with the album. We did do a full collaboration on the first song uh, uh, on the record, which is a song called Communication. And so that was something where Jason had some music and I grabbed the music and I said, hey, let me write some lyrics and a melody and, and I'll, I'll do the vocals on it. And so that was like kind of the that was kind of really the, the, the full collaboration on the record was really contained in that song. We kind of wrote it together. Um, and then the rest of the songs, it's just because we write as, you know, Jason's always just been sort of a solo writer, just like I've been more of a solo writer. Um, so I don't, I don't know if either of us know how to collaborate when it comes to actual songwriting, because we just never did that. And so that was kind of how we were able to make the record is, hey, you write, I think he wrote four songs and I think I wrote five songs and then we collaborated actually on, on communication. And uh, that's how it came about. And um, we, I think we we're pretty happy with it. And, uh, and that's about it. I don't know what else to say about it. Um, but well, I, I, I was playing it. It's funny, right before the pod, I was actually playing the vinyl to a, a friend of mine that had never heard it. So it's really, there's some irony there that you're asking me about it. I haven't heard it in a while. So, yeah. Well, well, um, we're going to ask you a lot of more questions about it later, but <laughs> okay. before, let's go for this episode. Um, um, you mentioned the, your solo album. Any other projects? I know those announced that you're going to be doing some Moog on Squat 5.0's new album. Anything else you're working on? 
No, the the solo record. Um, I just we just finished that, so it was just mixed. It's being mastered right now. And it's coming out in the fall. Um, so yeah, that that really took the majority of my time over the last couple of months. Really poured a lot into it, and um, so it's it's going to sound familiar to people familiar with the work. Um, but it's but it's a little bit different in, in how I I kind of arranged it with the electronics and so it's a little bit of a different electronic sound than i than i did in the past it's not it's not minimalist and it's not so bleepy it's a little more ambient in texture and in tone and um so um that'll be one of the differences there and then yeah i uh, just was able to squads doing a new record i've been friends with those guys for a long time they asked if i wanted to uh just to lay down some some moog tracks on it so i said for sure so did that as well and uh, that's that's all we got on the books for now. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess. I'm sorry, go ahead. I know. Beautiful. Awesome. So like you were saying, Aaron, um, that's it for this episode. Ronnie, thank you so much for indulging us. Um, this has been a beautiful conversation. And we'll be talking with you here in just a few minutes about the Brothers Martin record. Sounds so we good. have a rock prints and a rock count. So <laughs> the lower courts, it's forming up. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I guess that's it for now. Take care, guys. Thank you so much.